Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire. And you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. Is there a burning desire within to share your creativity with the rest of the world? Do you insist on pursuing your passion by any means necessary? Then you are on an Excelsior journey and you are not alone. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being here for episode number 75. I still can't believe we've gone this far. There's no sign of us stopping anytime soon. So if you like what you hear, please spread the word about the show. Please make sure that uh, that everyone is subscribing um, and obviously rates, reviews, shares, all of that. It all means the world to me. Uh, the key is subscriptions. That's the main thing that really kind of keeps the show much more visible. You can take a look and see all the different platforms that, that are available on he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. You'll see over 10 different platforms. And if you are an iPhone user, please subscribe to Apple. That will help boost this show more than anything. And all of your support really, really means the world to me. And some of you have asked exactly what Excelsior Journeys is all about, and I feel this is a perfect opportunity for me to kind of refresh what, what this whole show is all about. The show basically brings in all different types of creative people, and this is from actors, filmmakers, artists, authors, dancers, uh, stand-up comics, voiceover artists, like everything. It, it all goes from all the whole creative spectrum. And the main thing that everyone has in common, the main thing that really links everyone is there is a passion within them that pushes them to accomplish their creative journeys, no matter what. And even if they're doing full-time jobs and are doing this on the side, whatever, they are in, they are, they are reaching that creative level inside of them they are bringing it out for all the world to see and looking to basically make a positive impact in this world. And for episode number 75, we have a perfect, um, we have a perfect example of a person living an Excelsior journey in B. Anthony Gibson. Um, Anthony and I met each other in 1994. Uh, we, he was one of the first people that I met at uh, Marymount Manhattan College. And the first person in my age, in my age range, that um, that shared a love for film soundtracks as I did, and immediately it was just like ah, a kindred spirit, a brother, please. And we got to know each other really quickly and hit it off really well. Uh, we still had our disagreements regarding Danny Elfman, but that considering that was the only thing that we were really disagreeing about, all was well. Um, and it was during that first semester that I got to see exactly what it was that he would, what he had been doing before getting to Marymount Manhattan College. And while living in Rochester, where he still lives today, he and some friends took it upon themselves to start up their own film company in high school. And they called it Tatum Pictures. And they immediately started in with um, either adaptations of a video game or coming up with their own projects or even doing their own James Bond movie. And using you know, using John Barry's score and using uh, coming up with their own 
opening sequence. And it's just so, it was amazing to watch. And I just knew it was just like, I need this guy in my life at all times because he is someone who is constantly looking to make, uh, just constantly make things happen to accomplish his mission as, as a creative person. And I am so thrilled that not only has he continued to do so as the years went on, but he has even gotten his films in theaters in Rochester. And I am so excited for him to tell us all about his journey. So ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce to you B. Anthony Gibson. Anthony, how are you, sir? Oh my God, George, I'm great. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. And thank you for being here, man. Thank you. It's, it's been, um, you know, we've been, we've been keeping in touch thanks to social media, but at the same time, it's like, this is a real great opportunity for us to really kind of catch up and see like what, you know, like what we've been up to and uh, what you've been doing. Um, and I am just so thrilled to, to have you on here because we can also talk about uh, working with some other creatives that I'm really anxious to have on here, Jay Atkins and Nathan Perry. So this is going to be, this is going to be a blast. So oh, this um, is, this is wonderful. I love it. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> so let's, so let's start off with uh, you. Uh, the last thing you, that, uh, that, that you had worked on, which, uh, which unfortunately was kind of, you know, put on hold because of COVID uh, was a star Wars fan film, correct? Yes, correct. Um, so uh, we actually started, I want to say back in 2018, 2019, we, we had this idea to put together our own little star Wars trilogy. Um, you know, nothing big or, or, you know, the chapters would be around, you know, 20 minutes at the most. And mm -hmm. it was just going to be a story within the universe and just take three episodes to tell it. Yeah. Um, and so we started off with the, the first story, which was um, Scramble on Yulara. Mm -hmm. And uh, that one, uh, so I, I, I've had a couple of films that's really put me through my paces. And I think that one definitely takes the cake. <laughs> <laughs> it's, because... it's, it's so wild seeing like, like sort of as just like VHS just shot on a camcorder. And now all of a sudden, like, it's a Star Wars movie. It's got effects and everything. Like this is <laughs> this is wild. This is so wild. So I knew I had to have you on here to talk about all this. It's come a long way from sleds in the snow to like. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, but but you know that what I like to think about that though is that it's when you give a creative and I'm not just talking about me, I'm talking about like the, the, the people that I've had the, the pleasure of working with mm -hmm. when you provide creatives, the equipment to do really great stuff, you're going to get pretty cool stuff. You yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, cause I, I just think about it today, like kids uh, that are, you know, making these YouTube videos and, and stuff today. And, and now they're too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're making millions doing mm -hmm. that stuff. And I just think about if, if any of that was available to us, you know, 30 years ago, what oh, would yeah. we be doing right now? You know what I mean? Oh, it's just yeah. like <laughs> they have these kids don't know how lucky they are to to have the equipment and the fact that a lot of these, you know, effects and, and editing suites are so within their reach now that back in those days when we were doing it, Mm -hmm. It just it, it just wasn't really within our grasp unless we were willing to spend, you know, thousands of dollars 
to right. do it. Yeah, and now you can just software that was out there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And nowadays you could just take your iPhone and make a movie and, and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So these these kids really need to take advantage of that these days. And not just the kids. I mean, like all of us, you know, need to as well. Like, I mean, I got a I got a green screen hanging up in my in my studio, in my office, and I'm still like waiting for the opportunity to start using it so and like it's i have it there just permanently hung up you know just just on the just in, in case i have the sudden epiphany of just like oh i oh i know i can do this 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 and this it's hasn't come yet but at least it's there and so that's it's a much more it's a much bigger step well that absolutely I can, that i can that i could have possibly taken in 1994 when all this started oh i know it so I just think that I just think that our generation definitely um, we know not to take any of this for granted where, where I'm hoping yeah. that these kids these days are not taking what they have the capability to do for granted. Just get out there and do it. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. And that's definitely something to think about for the for the end of the episode. But let's go back to what I always call the lightning bolt moment. There's always that moment in in our lives when we experience something, see something, hear something, or, you know, like talk to someone or whatever. And that moment of inspiration hits you where you just say, that's where I want to be. That's the kind of life I want to go on. That's the journey I want to start. What was that like for you? Oh, geez. I, I want to say that uh... <laughs> the very <laughs> first time I actually picked up a video camera. Um, yeah. It, it's funny. And, and, I, I could be dating myself by talking about this, but um, my brother and I back in back in the uh, late 80s, uh, we used to watch this show called Captain and Power and the Soldiers of the Future. Yes, Captain Power. <laughs> I had a toy too. <laughs> we, the funny thing is that we still have them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know, we, we watched that show and, and my brother and I were huge, huge fans of, of the show and and we were just like, you know, maybe we should, maybe we should make our own Captain Power video. So uh -huh. we literally begged my father to uh, rent a video camera. And you had to rent a video camera back in those days, because if you wow. bought one, it cost you like thousands. Mm -hmm. But uh, my dad rented a video camera for my brother, Michael, and I to make our own Captain Power video. And I want to say that we had so many rehearsals before we actually like filmed it. And I've been dying <laughs> to have him find that video because I would totally post it online. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because it's just it's just a reminder of, of the kind of creativity that we had as kids, you know. Yeah. But it was it was that moment that I held that video camera and, you know, my brother and I were were making the video. We're just like, oh, my God. I need to do this. This is, this is just mm -hmm. amazing. I love doing this stuff. Yeah. And um, it was in, in high school when I finally got to high school, um, you know, obviously I met Jay and, and mm -hmm. who you mentioned and, and Nathan and we, uh, and my buddy James too. And um, James Anderson, right? Yep. James Anderson. And uh, we, we wanted to just, just make movies and we just started uh i remember jay actually bought a video camera that was like oh. used and um obviously in those days uh i want to say he paid oh probably like two two hundred and fifty dollars for it or something like that wow. which back in 1993 is a lot of money <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
granted for for you know for a lot of things it's still a lot of money yeah exactly exactly but like uh and and it was a used video camera but you know we were able to do so much stuff with it and and often we would spend the night at each other's houses and just film stupid stuff like probably similar to the stuff that kids do nowadays on youtube that's Mm -hmm. what we were doing um you know and in James's parents' basement and in my house. <laughs> and I mean, we would do really stupid stuff. But then there was some stuff that we did where we made like actual films. Yeah. Now with a with a video camera and two VCRs, yes, kids, we used two VCRs to edit mm-hmm. our stuff. Wow. Um, <laughs> now, now you're talking. <laughs> now we're going way back, right? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we we did we did so much stuff and and i remember we would come up with idea after idea and we just wanted to do stuff and you know the whole the only problem we had was finding enough people that were as excited about it as we are because you know we would ask people it's like hey you want to do film and they they'd hear about it like oh yeah yeah it sounds great and then when it actually comes down to it they realize that it's actual work and they're just like "Mm, no i don't think i can do this yeah so that's probably the most frustrating part of it as especially as you know when you're working on films that where you don't have an actual budget to pay people so mm-hmm. um you know that's that's kind of it but man I, I i love getting behind the camera it's just it's just so much fun yeah yeah and and you also went to you went to like a school of the arts high school right i did here in rochester new york school of the arts um i was a, a theater major for awesome. and then uh I, uh, the funny thing is, is that like acting was always my passion, right? Like I, I loved acting yeah. and, um, you know, that's, that's actually where Jay, Nathan, James and I all met was at school of the arts and, you know, at school of the arts, you obviously you have no shortage of creative people there. Um, yeah. Just like, it's, it seems like it would be like a really great kind of creative hub. Like you can't help, but, you know, like, but, uh, explore that create creative side of yourself. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you would, you would think that you'd be able to find, you know, enough people at school, of the arts that would be willing to do it. And, and we did find folks to, to make, to, uh, you know, make some of these films like we did. I don't know if I'd call it a parody or, or just sort of an homage to, uh, Beverly Hills, 90210. Oh yeah. The, the soda, the soda. soda. Movie. We, we called it soda. One, four, six, oh, seven. I remember that. I remember, <laughs> you remember that. that? <laughs> and I, I was the Brandon character. Jay was, was Dylan and James was, um, the David character. And we, got a couple of our our female friends to fill out the whole Donna and Brenda and um which is funny because some of those folks I still actually talk to today which is funny um that's great have they they done like have they worked on any other projects no 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 um you know this the funny thing about life is that uh you know you tend to you know, everybody gets married, everybody has kids and, you know, they get jobs and they just sort of lose touch. And right through the through the miracle of social media, you know, we've been able to sort of keep tabs on each other and and stay in touch, which is which has actually been really nice. And the only reason that I have social media, because yeah. um, otherwise I'd be canceling my Facebook account tomorrow. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. I understand. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, you know life takes over and um 
you know, this, I, I never would have said that filmmaking would have been a career for me. And, and I, I would still even say that it's not a career for me because to me, it's, it's less than a career, but more than a hobby. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to, I would love to keep doing it without the need to have to do it. If you know right. what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, because, you know, when you're an actor and you're, that's your livelihood, then mm-hmm. you have to take the, the ridiculous commercials and the stupid one line minor rules just to put food on the table. Right. But if you have a full-time job and you're just sort of doing that because you love it in, in your spare time, then it's something more. And, and you could say, well, I don't really want to do this because I really want to challenge myself in this way. Right. And, and that's what I've really enjoyed about filmmaking. And not that I, I don't want to do any acting anymore, but just, I just, I've always, always loved filmmaking and, and, and yes. it just, I, I love telling stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of those stories I remember there were, um, uh, let's see, you, um, no, first of all, before before I get into the the archives uh, that, that I remember, what was the? Uh, You're gonna bring those up? No, I'm just, gonna, you know, just just as just as reference. That's all. I'm not gonna say like, sure. oh, there was you know, <laughs> just just to show like, I mean, there was a lot. These movies, you know, they stuck with me, so they definitely did their did what they needed to do. Um, but the um, the name Tatum Pictures, where'd that come from? Oh my gosh, I, it's funny because. Um, when we first started making movies in high school, mm-hmm. uh, my buddy, James Anderson uh, comes in the next day. He's like, Hey, I figured out the name of our film company. I was like, okay. He's like, Tatum pictures. What do you think? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, cause quite frankly, I didn't, I didn't really care. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make movies. Right. <laughs> and, um, it's funny because I, I, I went home and, and I told uh, my parents, I was like, yeah, you know, we, we've decided to call it Tatum Pictures. And, and my mom's just like, after Tatum O'Neill? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, who the heck is Tatum O'Neill? Because <laughs> 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 I, I didn't know who that was. You know, she wasn't, right. uh, she wasn't an actor in, in my generation. So... Mm-hmm. I, I had no idea who she was. So I, I had to look her up and I was like, oh, okay. All yeah. right. <laughs> I wonder if that's where James got it from. And actually to this day, I still don't even know. I should probably call him up and ask him <laughs> because <laughs> I still have no idea where that came from. Oh, that's great. That is great. I, th- I thought that, you know, like I, I had a suspicion that Tatum O'Neill had something to do with it, but I, at the same time, I wasn't 100% confident if, that was if that really was confirmed that it was just like oh is named after Tatum O'Neill. So well, that's you and me both. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. So so during this time, and this is what you were saying, how you know, like you're getting your feet wet, you're do, you know you're getting the sort of experience that all the other you know all other filmmakers really want to get. You know, like there was the. Um, I'm not sure if you saw the the documentary, The Sci-Fi Boys, but it's all centered around all the early films that all these great filmmakers were doing as they were growing up and you know, like doing all these different effects and everything. It's wild. It's a re- it's a really, really good documentary. And I think it's on Prime Video right now. So if any any of you out there 
want to take a look at it called the sci-fi boys that's really the sort of life that that anthony was living which was which is amazing and so so you started off with like um i remember there was the comedy ninja joe um oh which, was, which was really funny <laughs> <laughs> funny to us maybe <laughs> hey that's you know co- comedy itself is it's subjective so he's just like very much I, so i laughed you know, like i didn't know you guys and everything but i was still laughing um and uh but you were also like really you know like am uh really ambitious with stuff it wasn't just that or um what was it batman versus jason um, or Batman. Oh my Muslim. goodness. <laughs> now you're taking me back. <laughs> it was all fun stuff. Like, you know, just looking at it and everything. I was just like, you know, this is, this is, this is fun. This is a lot of fun, you know, to watch and everything. Then you went um, even more ambitious. You were doing the ad, uh, adaptation of Bionic Commando and, um, and then the James Bond movie. Now. Oh, that was that's, fun. That's the one that I was just like, wow. You know, this this is you know these guys are serious this is awesome i'm loving this so um tell us a little bit about how that one started target for elimination target for elimination holy smokes (laughs) (laughs) wow um so that one came about because uh uh the guy that actually plays james bond in that movie um was a good friend of mine back in those days and he and i were obsessed with the bond movies uh specifically the uh the old connery ones yeah and um uh, my girlfriend at the time bought me a uh i think at the time it was the uh james bond uh, i think it was the 30th anniversary oh Um, the 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 two disc yes yes Yeah. yeah she bought she bought me that and um and which just really lets you know how long ago that was because they've already had a 50-year anniversary so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they only show went, you how long ago that they, was they only went up to license to kill so um, they <laughs> exactly had, they hadn't even gotten a pierce brosnan yet so. nope golden eye wasn't even a thought back yep. then yeah <laughs> but um she bought me that and, and I would listen to it over and over. And, and, uh, you know, my buddy, uh, Cena quits was his name. Right. And, um, he and I would listen to that and, and we'd be like, uh, you know, we could, we could probably, we could probably pull this off. Right. It was like, yeah, how would you, how would you do it? I'm like, I don't know. Let's just do it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, and I told him, I said, I said, well, if we do this, then you gotta be bond. He's like me. I'm like, yeah. Cause, cause yep. you're smooth. <laughs> <laughs> it's so just like okay i'll I'll do it nice (laughs) and and uh and so we decided to write a script and um you know we just sort of threw it together yeah because just because we just we just wanted to shoot it right and um that was the probably the first movie where we were actually able to use um an editing studio Uh uh, because uh that was that would have been my senior year in high school Okay, and uh, it was it was great because my senior year in high school, I had maybe two classes that I needed to graduate, and I had like you know all these free periods. Um, so what I did was I uh, the technical director that was over there at, at School of the Arts, um, I would basically uh, instead of going to study hall for like two hours, mm-hmm. I would say, hey, can I just sit in the in the uh, studio and just 
just edit stuff. He's like, yeah, sure. Why not? Nice. And I literally, cause um, target for elimination was like the first movie that we did that had like an actual title sequence. I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's very rudimentary when you look at it now, but like back then we were just like, that was like the best thing that we could ever do. We're just like, Oh my God, like real titles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and didn't you, didn't you like film like a dance rehearsal or something that was going like, wasn't, well, you like, know, it's it, funny it was because very Maurice Binder, like it was very, it, was, it really was. <laughs> and the funny thing was, is that, you know, being in that video studio and and going to school, of the arts, I had access to like all the different dance concert videos yeah. Um, yeah. that were okay. that were there. And so a lot of the a lot of the you know women dancing around in in the title sequence there is taken from dance concert from school of the arts and Genius. they're just sort of silhouetted <laughs> into uh you know sort of a blue hue and and yep. and you know shadowy women dancing and and quite frankly uh, you know a lot of those um a lot of the dancers that were in that were just i mean they're just great dancers to begin with and it's just even if you're just sort of watching it for the dancing it's just it's just awesome yeah but um yeah so uh I would spend hours upon hours, you know, editing footage uh, in that studio. And uh, I remember thinking I am having so much fun right now, just like throwing something together in like a real studio. And this is just amazing. I, I was so, so excited about doing that. Just totally like in the zone, like in your element. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 told myself i said i said one day i'm just gonna put an editing studio in my house and and that's gonna be the end of it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely you know like we had no idea that it was just gonna be like a program on our computer but you know. seriously <laughs> i mean people can literally edit stuff on their iphones now yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i literally feel like the old guy's like you know what we had to do back in the day right we had to have a huge studio to rent these days and now Nowadays, nowadays it's like okay so you have a multi you have a multi gig, uh, you know like gigabyte computer that you can fit in your phone that can do like all this great stuff and, right? we're, looking at, and we're looking at the zoom video of a lawyer with a cat filter like I know. <laughs> uh, oh my god times really have changed my friend they really have they really have my friend yeah oh yeah so um oh. so with all that with everything that you were doing you're all in your element you're all but you went into theater over, over Marymount, correct? I did. I did. So, so you didn't go into the communications department where Alistair Sanderson was and you know, like there were all this great, um, all the, all these great elements at their disposal. Um, so what was it that, uh, what was it that, was it just like, you know, like you still were very fluent in theater and wanted to stay in that? Well, I, uh, you know, when I, when I graduated from school of the arts, I was still, kind of on a high about acting because um i really really enjoyed being on stage and and i don't know if if i don't know if you even realize this but um growing up i was actually a very shy person what? extremely no. oh yeah i was i was an extremely <laughs> shy person to this day like i i say that to my wife and she's just kind of like no i don't believe it it's like no really i i was a shy person and I would have to say that that's probably true of, of most creatives when they actually get into the craft that they're looking to pursue. 
Yeah. Is that, you know, they're really, they're, they're, they're not an extrovert. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people are surprised when they hear that, you know, artists are typically not extrovert, extroverts by nature. Yeah. And, and that's because, you know, I, I, I've always felt that artists are always dealing with something. And yeah. that's why they're able to sort of get into their craft, whether it's visual arts, whether it's theater, uh, whether it's filmmaking, and they use that as their voice. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to continue to use my voice because when I was on stage, you know, people, people listened to me and people liked me and, and, and it made me feel good. Yeah. And I wanted to sort of continue that into college. And, um, you know, I, I still, I still enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it just, something, something happened and, and I don't know what, that I felt like I lost respect for the art of acting. Mm-hmm. And I think I, you know, in high school, uh, you know, I used to get all of the lead roles and all the plays and the musicals and stuff like that. And, and, you know, I, I, admittedly, I got cocky. Mm. And when I got to college and I realized that I wasn't the star of the show anymore, I was just like, oh, well, well this stinks. I don't want to do this anymore. And oh, I think that's it was a, what happened. OK. Yeah, I was, I was curious because like because you're only there for one year. So I yeah. was you know, curious is like, did something happen or something or was it just kind of falling out of out of love with it? You know, like what because I knew you, you know, like you had what it took to be there obviously um you know because you were you had done like a um i know you'd done a main stage uh your first semester your first semester and then um you did a uh directing project correct i did yeah i did yeah actually we're both doing doing the director's projects at the same time like i was doing mine and you were doing yours so i wasn't sure do you remember which one that you had done i'm trying to remember which one that was I remember exactly which one I did. Uh, yeah. It was the actor's nightmare. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And that okay. was probably because the actor's nightmare was one of my favorite shows to ever do. Um, yeah. Honestly. And that was like a director's project. It was like a little black box project. Yeah. And I loved it. Oh, those, those um, were so great. Those were so oh, much I, fun. They were fun. And you got to, and the funny thing is that a lot of those director's projects were mostly the freshmen at Marymount. Yeah. And uh, it was cool because you got to meet like a bunch of other people that you wouldn't necessarily have met because a lot of us had different acting classes. And I think uh, I, I think the only class that you and I had in common was uh, script analysis back that's in right. those days. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That semester, that first semester. That was great. Uh, that ironically was great enough, though, too. we also had a script writing class, if you remember that. Yes. <laughs> the second semester we had a script writing class together and that that was amazing. Oh, playwriting. We were in playwriting. Play, yes. Playwriting. That's where we you know, where another guest, Jonathan Norton, came into the whole picture. Ah, um, uh, okay. With uh, with his eighty four script. Oh my god, wasn't I haven't that, thought of that name in ages. Wasn't wasn't that just? I remember just like hearing that script and everything, and because you were performing it, you were you were the you were the boy in right, there. yeah. And um, who was it? Was it um, Nicole Marsh? I think who was doing who was the girl? Yes, yes. And oh they, my god, you two were so funny together. And Jonathan's script was so like dead on and so perfect. I oh was just gosh. like, I am, I am so, I am exactly where I need to be. I am around so many awesome people. And who knew that, you know, like further on down the road, I'd be interviewing all of you. Uh, so. 
Are you still in I touch with that. Jonathan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Please give him my best. Oh, my gosh. I haven't thought about that guy in years. He's an award-winning player right now. Um, you know, <laughs> For and him. He's, he's, do, he's doing awesome. I am so proud of him. And I'm so thrilled to see, like, how far he's gone. Um, I knew that when I put the show together, I knew I was going to have him on. And I already did. So. Oh, um, my gosh. That's yeah. great. Yeah. And, you know, definitely, you know, shout out to Nicole, still in touch with her on Facebook. Would love to hear more about what what she's been doing because she yeah, I just recently caught do, up with her. She went on to do some really great stuff over at Marymount as well. So, you know, like it's, yeah. you know, just real, really, you know, really great, you know, really great work. I got a lot of really awesome people in you my really life. Do. All just really <laughs> like, I really do. I have picked one hell of a solar system to like be right in the center of. <laughs> not a bad place to be, right? Not, oh not at all. Not at all. You guys are keeping me going. You know, like that's. I, t- you know. I tell you what, you are really jogging my memory today. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you are touching lobes of memories that I have never even like thought were still there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was. And, and hey, what what better what better spot than issue than uh, um, episode 75? Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> and this. is So, yeah. So, I mean, like, um, yeah, that that playwriting class was so much fun. And it was so like I mean, it was so um, invigorating. You know, yes. there were so many great creative people that were a part of that. You know, like the one of my one of my favorite little little pieces that I that I've ever written was done in there. The uh-huh. um, the uh, four phasers in a tricorder, the um, the uh, the start, the Star Trek fans, like all like, you know, talking it up, like while playing pool. And yeah. Uh, and, the, and the one the girlfriend and everything, you know, butting in, just saying, like, I like the one with the whales, you know, just. <laughs> <laughs> just, that was that 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 script was so i gotta look that i gotta look in my computer and see if i still have that that was a lot of fun to write oh my god that would be amazing if you still had that one. Oh yeah yeah so um so during all this and you were still filmmaking then there was the um uh different storms right <sighs> yes which nicole was in that's right that's right <laughs> Nicole was in that, you know, like there was, you know, a lot, a lot of really great people were, were a part of that. Obviously, oh, Nathan yeah. and Jay and you and um, and I got to I I'm so, you know, like thrilled. I got to be the cinematographer for a scene. Yes, you did. Yeah. Yes, you did. And I know exactly which scene it was, too. I oh, remember me too. It very. Oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah. We were you know, like we had we had done like we had done several. Ta- it was like about I don't, I don't know, something like about eight or nine takes or something. And then finally, like that 10th take everything just seemed to work. Like I was moving the camera at the right time. So that as soon as you started talking, bam, you were right in the frame. Like it was, that was, that was my own, like, holy crap. I, I know I'm pretty, uh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> so. That was fun. I, I, I think that's one of my favorite ones that we ever filmed be, just because the people that we had, you know, helping out with that was just amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, uh, Nicole was great in that. And yep. Debbie, Debbie was Debbie. in that. Yep. Ju- um, and um, was Julie Gribble in there as well? Because I know uh, Megan was. Megan uh, was. Megan Julie Sullivan. was not, but Katrina Bean was. Yes, Katrina Bean. Yep. Yes, who I just recently reconnected with. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I reconnected with uh, Katrina and Nicole. Um, so I'm in touch with both of them. And, and honestly, what I should do is I should send out a copy of Different Storms to everybody because I don't think... I don't think they've even seen it. Oh, wow. 
And uh, I think it'd be a real gas for them to take a look at it, you know, and ism, <laughs> like, yeah, like almost there. Oh, ism. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ism Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. He and, he and I did, he and I did an awesome scene my sophomore year. We did, uh, we did the, um, we did the, you know, like, um, you know, spoon, you think of the spoon, this is a ladle scene from the odd couple. And oh. I, I got to be Felix. He got to be Oscar and man, the chemistry was so good. Like That's it was awesome. so much fun. It got to a point where I, I pissed him off to the point where he grabbed me by the shirt while we were performing the scene and everything. I literally thought he was going to hit me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was great. That was, that was oh, such a great time. Man. And, and um, um, yeah, like, yeah, every, everyone that, that was there, like, I mean, it was, it was such a, it was such a fun show to put, you know, fun movie to put together. Yeah, and I was just glad that I was at least there peripherally, you know, just cause I was like, I was, I was a crew member for a lot, mm -hmm. of, for a lot of it. Like I was hanging, I was, you know, hanging out in the background, like doing whatever needed to do. And then you and Sanook, if I remember. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then obviously got to shoot that, you know, that one scene close to the end and everything. So that was, that was a blast. That was, a, yeah. that, was a, that was a, that was a blast. That was a great time that freshman year. Like there was, especially that second semester. That's where I feel like everyone really kind of came into their own. I think uh, so too. I, I yeah. completely agree. Yeah. It just seemed like from Valentine's day on, like that's where it was just like, there was no stopping any of us. Like mm -hmm. you know, everyone was connecting like the, and we were all like doing great in the classes too. You know, like, yeah. the, so like the fact that it was, it was all there and everything, it seemed like everything was, was clicking and, but it was just like the acting part of it that you just kind of fell out of. I just, uh, I, I felt that I wasn't respecting, I wasn't respecting the craft the way I should have been. Hmm. Um, because I, I, it's, I've always felt that uh, acting should be something that you, that you give to someone, hmm. not, not for something that is for you to, you know, sort of glorify yourself with. And, and, and that's the way that I used it. And, and even those words coming out of my mouth right now kind of make me sick just because um, I was definitely a different person back then. And I, I feel that um, the years have taught me differently and that when you are on stage, you're not there for you. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're there to really give something to an audience that maybe they just want to, they just want to get out of their daily lives and, and just go on a journey with you. Yeah. And so when you're up there on stage, you are, you are giving someone, I don't want to say you're giving somebody a gift, but you're giving somebody a journey mm -hmm. that maybe they need at that moment in time. And yeah. you can't take something like that for granted. And I did. And, and I sort of, I sort of hated myself for it. And oh, wow. uh, that's, that's why I, I got out of it. But um I actually did get back into it yeah. um, years later. I want to say it was in my uh, late 20s, early 30s mm -hmm. that I started getting back into it. And I was doing community theater here in Rochester, New York. And, and oh, man, that uh, the, the bug definitely hit me hard. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, I was auditioning for play after play after play. And, and, and um, when I got laid off uh, from I was working at Chase as, a, as an underwriter. Um, right. for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And um, when I got laid off from that job, and I want to say in 2008, I 
you know, I had my severance so I can do pretty much whatever I wanted to do. And I was just like, all right, well, I'm just going to try uh, being an actor full time for there now. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that's, that for a while. That's when you do it. That's, that's, that's when you do it. When you have that sort of cushion and everything, just keep you going for a little while. It's like, all right, exactly. I have this window. Let's see what I can do with it. Exactly. It so I was just like, why not? Yeah. Why not? And so I, and so I did it for a while and, and I had a blast. Like I was doing commercials. I mm-hmm. did voiceover work. I did. Um, I, I just had a lot of fun. And, and, you know, I was, I was actually making a rather decent living at it too. So Excellent. I was, I was perfectly fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately you, you get in that position that I just talked about, right. Where now you're, you're having to do it. Uh, to put mm-hmm. food on the table. Right. And I was like, okay, now it's, now it's becoming less fun because now I have to try and debase myself as much as possible to put food on the table. Right. Um, Dude, but, you're still trying to find that happy medium kind of thing. Whereas it's like, exactly. you, love, you love what you're doing and it's providing like a steady enough income that you don't have to worry about it. So exactly. And, yeah. and I, and I, I might be being a little bit dramatic about it, but I mean, that's really, that's really what it is. I get but. it. I get it. Yeah. It's like, you know, believe me, I get it. not that I was really debasing myself, but you know, right. it's just, it's just, you know, you, you, you have to do it. You yeah. have to get that paycheck. Um, and so at that point I was just like, you know, I, I don't really, I don't want to do that anymore. I just, I just want to be able to sort of do it when I want to do it and actually have fun doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just was doing it part-time and, uh, I got more into writing and filmmaking, um, as a result of that, because, you know, I met some other actors along the way that I still have very long lasting relationships with, which is, which is really fun. Yeah. Um, one of the, uh, one of the, the, uh, guy that, um, I did, uh, the two Indiana Jones fan films, um, yeah. The guy that plays Indiana Jones in those films is mm. one of my best friends now. Nice. And uh, even to this day, he and I are working for the same company. So we literally talk to each other every day. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like those kinds of relationships that really that really last with you. And, and it's 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 fun. I love it. Yeah. So so during that time, you're still you know working you know working on different projects so still like right you're even though you're doing the um the the acting during the time when it was still when it was bringing in like a steady income were you still pursuing your own personal projects or were you just kind of putting those on hold while you were uh while you were doing all of this oh no absolutely i was i was pursuing my own stuff um yeah. the, the the good the good thing about acting uh, or at least you know taking on acting work like that is that you do the job, it probably gets done in, you know, maybe a couple of hours and you still have a lot of time on your hands. (laughs) So, um, you know, I use that time to either audition for other projects or I would just work on my own stuff. And so, um, I found that I had the time to do it. So I was just like, why not? This is, this is great. (laughs) So, so you were doing the, the, um, you were doing all the original projects and everything. Then all of a sudden, when did the fan films come into play? Uh, I want to say, um, I, 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 so we did a total of three James Bond films and. Oh, that's right. That's right. I remember you started doing, you started doing a second one, but then like that one. But then that fizzled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And ultimately, um, Nathan actually took over Bond for two, two films. 
And then after that, um, Jay Nathan and I, uh, we just started, we started getting into some more original works. Um, Mm -hmm. Jay did Devil's Proxy. I did Meant to Be. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, we also did uh, The Underworld, the series, which also starred my my friend Rich. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that, that also started my friend Rick as, as the lead character in that. And uh, I want to say that was what, 10 episodes. I think it was, it was an internet series. Um, wow. That we did. And uh, that That's was cool. even before, before streaming and before anybody even thought of doing an internet series or even putting videos online. Like we were, we were doing that. And right. um, I mean, not that, you know, we got a lot of viewership, but <laughs> it was, it was yeah. fun nevertheless. Um, yeah, but I, rem- I remember I got to, I got to play a, a part in Devil's Proxy, just like it was, a, you know, like just for oh, one scene. Right. That's right. I forgot for about scene, that. It, it, you know, like it's in the deleted scenes section, but, you know, like at the same time, <laughs> like it was still <laughs> you know, like, I get it. You know, like, you know, you got to cut for time. I totally get it. And, you know, look, look and that one especially had to be cut like, for time. I mean, yeah. Devil's Proxy already the final cut of it was like almost three hours long. And even yeah. that two was discs. too long. Two discs, yep. Two discs for, for the for the movie, and then two discs for the special features. You know, like Jay yeah, really exactly. packed that that whole that movie with a lot. So well, we told him he had to because he wanted to put everything in there. We're like, Jay, it's gonna be like four hours long. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. Oh my god. I, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to get Jay on here too to talk about that one because that was I remember he was working on that. Um, over at the mall in Manhattan, uh, you know, like d- doing uh, yes. there, you know, like, and that, that's, that was the great time. Just like, just, it, just being a part of everything that was going on, you know, just, Oh yeah. You know, I didn't have to be on camera at that point. It was just like, just let me help out. You know, this is, this is something great. It was something to get up for, you know, in, oh, I on know like it. weekends and stuff. Um, uh, so sorry, yeah. I straight off topic there. That's all right. It's, <laughs> Uh, you're just jogging uh, my memory yeah yeah so um so with all of that you know i mean you had the you know jay's working on devil's proxy you got the underworld you have meant to be uh you had uh the other two james bond films and everything um i remember there was one point where you were kind of asking everyone what your uh which franchise you should tackle in a fan film and Mm -hmm. i picked mission impossible you know, like for, for mine. And it sounds like, you know, like what you had, what you, what I had in mind, you were able to take and run with, with the Star Wars movies, since that was, it was just like, just a part of the universe. Right. So, so like, and I was saying like with Mission Impossible, just like, there's another, you know, have another IMF team, you know, like be out there and have their own mission and everything. It doesn't have to be Ethan Hunt and, and company. It could be, you know, a whole, you know, like a whole, you know, like slew of other characters. Right. Um, so yeah, like it sounds like what you did with Star Wars was exactly that. So I was thrilled to see that. Um, Which, by the way, I still have not forgotten about the Mission Impossible idea. That's still in the back of my head. Good, good. I would love <laughs> to see what you do with that, especially now that like the franchise is seeing like these heights that never would have thought possible. You know, like oh, this I is know it. it's wild. It's it's it it's is. great. And and 
you got to give kudos to Tom Cruise for for keeping it going like this. You know, like that's um, yeah. Mission Impossible 2 was Mission Impossible 2. But, but let's let's not, ones, let's not talk about Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> hey, it's based on what I'm seeing from Tom. He doesn't want to talk about it either. So I'm like, good. <laughs> good. Because that was like the worst one. But then oh, when three God. came out, it's just like, oh, OK, finally, we're yeah. back on track. OK, we're back. <laughs> we're, we're back to being a team. All right. And, and we got some good people on here. Let's see what, where this can go. And boy, exactly. Man, has it really gone to places. So, um, yeah, it has. So with um, so was Indiana Jones like the next fan film in, you know, like that you that you tackled? So it was. And my my whole thing about doing an Indiana Jones film is that the only way that I would do it is mm-hmm. if I if the the person that I had in mind to play Indiana Jones would do it, because if he said no, then it was going to be a, it was going to be a no. Yeah. Um, and, th- and that was Rick, because mm-hmm. quite frankly, um, I, I knew that he could pull it off. He didn't think he could pull it off. And, and the funny thing is his wife is like a huge, huge, huge Indiana Jones fan. Really? Um, oh, yeah. She's it, it's funny because, you know, whenever we get together for dinner, um, the funny thing is, is that she and I are always talking about Star Wars and Indiana Jones and stuff like that. <laughs> and Rick is always talking to, to my wife, Colleen, about you know, other stuff. He's like, Oh my God, I can't believe, you know, our spouses are, are like this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so his wife is basically the nerd of that, of that couple. And I'm the nerd. Oh, that's of mine, fabulous. So. <laughs> that is fabulous. <laughs> but um, he, I, I, if he didn't want to do it, then mm-hmm. I wasn't going to do it. That was, that was the whole thing. And, and I remember he and I went out for drinks one night and I asked him, I said, Hey, I don't know if you saw my post on Facebook, but, um, you know, I'm looking to do an Indiana Jones fan film. And it's like, oh, yeah, that, that, that would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do it unless you can be Indiana Jones. Ah. I was like, me? And I was like, yeah, why not? I was like, so no pressure. Ah. <laughs> yeah, no pressure or anything. <laughs> and it's just like, well, I mean, I'll, you know I'll do it, but I don't think I can pull it off. I'm like, dude, between the two of us, we'll make it work somehow. We'll make it work. Yeah. And I can just remember, um, and, and this was, uh, the Indiana Jones and the secret of the Appalachia was the first, um, was the first film that we worked on that we actually had to spend some money on Yeah, because we had to get like costumes and props Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I mean, this was a period piece. Right. So, um, you know, with Indiana Jones, you got to have the whip. You got to have the holster. You got to have the jacket. You got to have, you got to have the hat. If you don't have the hat, you got to have the map. You got to have the map with the, with the line going from place to place. And exactly. uh, (laughs) Exactly. And if you don't have that, you don't have an Indiana Jones pick. Yeah. And so, um, the, it was, it was funny because, uh, my wife, Colleen was uh, helping with the costumes and, and, uh, you know, we would go around to local VOAs and, you know, pick up certain pieces. And she's like, oh, yeah, this would be good. This would be good. And um, when it came to having the actress come over our house for costume fitting, the, the day that Rick came over and he put on the jacket and the hat, we looked at him. We're just like, oh my god, this is so gonna work. <laughs> this you is get, so you get that chill work. and everything. We're just like, oh man, this is gonna be great. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's a- and you've done was it two, three Indiana Jones movies since? 
Um, I just did just two. Um, okay. We did. We just did the two, and um, we uh, the first day that we actually got on set, I want to say, because um, mm-hmm. we filmed part of that movie in Ellison Park, which is a local park here yeah. in uh, Rochester, New York, and there's this this hill. Um, that a lot of hikers like to get on and, and try to climb to the very top. Mm-hmm. And visually, it's, it's just a really awesome looking hill. And I was just like, okay, well, this is, this is where that temple is going to be. That's where, that's where the Mask of Boatani is going to be. And so yeah. when we were filming on that hill and, uh, you know, we had Rick tumbling down that hill a few times and I'm just like, oh my God, this this looks like an Indiana Jones movie. It's just awesome. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's so I'm cool. like behind the camera. I'm like, I can't believe we're doing this. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Cut, cut, cut. <laughs> you know, because <Yeah. laughs> I'm just enjoying watching it. I'm just like, oh my God, this is so much fun. And, yeah. and, and Rick was having a ball. And there was some stuff that he was doing that I'm just like, because he was so down mm-hmm. to do stunt work. He was, yeah. he was just so down with it because there was this one point where he's supposed to look like he's dangling off of a, of a cliff. Yeah. And um, where we were shooting that, it was, you know, it wasn't terribly high. I want to say it was like maybe seven, eight feet off the ground. Mm. And he wanted, there, there's a scene where he comes sliding down the hill and then mm. like, and then like, almost thrusts himself over because he's about to fall off the cliff and then yeah. like grabs on and um and uh i just wanted him to just kind of like lean over and then and then sort of reach for it but he's just like he's like okay b this is an indiana <laughs> jones film mm-hmm. i think i need to leap down the hill and try and grab that mask in true indiana jones style and oh. i'm thinking to myself i'm like okay first of all we're not insured and and a trip to the emergency room is not what i want to do today right and i don't want to have to explain to his wife why Mm. we're at the hospital (laughs) because she'd never speak to me again right and 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 i said i said rick that's it i know it's not that high up but it's it's really dangerous he's like no i can do this just Mm -hmm. let's just shoot it and let's do it and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm like getting really, really nervous. Mm-hmm. And so we shoot it. He dives down the hill and, and, and then like, you know, dives for the mask and then throws himself over. I'm just like, oh, my God, that looks so awesome. And I was like, cut. I'm like, somebody grab Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want him to like, like fall awkwardly or anything like that. And, yeah. and again, it really wasn't terribly high. But mm-hmm. when you're diving down that hill, if you take a wrong tumble or mm-hmm. like, you know, trip on a, on a, on a root from a tree or something like that, you're going over and you're going to land on your head. Yeah. And so I was worried about that, but he was, he was down for it, man. And he was ready to, to just go for it. And I was just like, okay, great. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. And I'm sure you were just like, please, n- you know, like, tell me you got it all. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> And it looks great. I mean, if you see the, the, the final cut, I mean, it just, it looks, he just looks amazing yeah. as Indy. And, and we just had, we just had a ball with that film. That's so cool. That's so cool. And did you get to like repurpose some of the John Williams scores? For, oh, for absolutely. Those? Nice. Absolutely. We did. 
And, you know, obviously we have to put a disclaimer up there. It's like, okay, this is a fan film. We don't want to, you know, yada, 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 yada. Yeah. Um, but to me, if you're not using the John Williams score for an indie pick, then mm-hmm. really, are, are you really doing a fan movie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, is that a fan would, you know, like a fan wouldn't leave that out. So oh, no, no, yeah. not at all. So, um, so how do you do your effects now? Do you do like green screen stuff? Is that, you know, like, um, you know, like with, with Indiana Jones and Star Wars, like you said, you know, like you're spending money now. So mm-hmm. is that, is that a part of it as well? Like green screen action? So, yeah, we, we employed a lot of green screen for yeah. Indy. Um, for, at that point we had a portable green screen. Nice. Um, which I actually just bought it, a new one recently. It's, 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 if, if the, the great thing about, filmmaking equipment is that it's so cheap these days you can actually get green screens for like really really cheap Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah i want to say that um now that i think about it i don't think there were really that many effects that we did for the first indiana jones movie there really wasn't that much Mm -hmm. um the second one i think had way more effects in it um and I always refer to the second movie as the movie that broke me. That <laughs> because, broke you, huh? Yes, because when we did the first Indiana Jones movie, it was, you know, it was fun. And, you know, we had a ball doing it. Right. But the second one, um, I think I, I may have bit off more than I can chew. Ah. Because, uh, you know, the story called for so many different things happening. And we, I think we traveled a lot more for this because, you know, not everything was shot locally. Right. And so we had to travel out of town to like SOTUS. We had to go to Alfred state university. It was just, we, it, it was probably more than, you know, someone doing a hobby should probably do, but Hey, yeah. you know, yeah. we, we, we wanted to add some more authenticity to it and, and really see what else we can do. And, and uh, I want to say that Rick was mad at me for that. <laughs> he'll actually tell you he's just like oh yeah i was pissed at you i was like yeah i know <laughs> so with, with everything that you're doing it's and and also to it sounds like it really sounds like rochester itself really kind of um really kind of took you in really just so, as like a local filmmaker is that am i am i reading that right you know it, se- it seems like they um there's definitely um you know the the with the escalating budgets and everything and more people that are getting involved. It, se- it seems like you're really, you know, coming into your own with that over there. I'd like to think I am. Um, yeah. I-, I know there are some people that, you know, will probably look at me and just like, okay, I'm never working with him again. Um, <laughs> because, you know, sometimes I-, I do bite off more than I can chew. And, yeah. and I-, I apologize profusely for that. And if somebody doesn't want to work with me again because of that, I, I-, I totally get it because, you know, nobody's getting paid for this. I mean, this is all our own blood, sweat, and tears. Mm -hmm. Um, And if there are more blood and tears than there are sweat, then, you know, I'm sure that people are going to say, no, this, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, And I get it. I get it because I would probably feel the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are so many, and, and a lot of people don't realize this, but Rochester, New York is probably one of the biggest creative hubs in the state of New York. Really? I mean, a lot of people like to think that, you know, because New York has all these, you know, you know, they have all these television shows and, and all these professional actors down there. But if you want a creative hub, yeah. Rochester, New York is the place. 
I mean, when you think about all of the people that are that work professionally yeah. um, out of Rochester, New York, you have Tay Diggs, you mm -hmm. had Philip Seymour Hoffman, you had Robert Forster, you have Kristen Wiig, you have John Lithgow. Everybody came, wow. everybody came out, all of those folks came out of Rochester, New York. Um, Amazing. So really, this is a this is a creative hub yeah. of really, really talented people. Mm -hmm. um, and this this window of culture that we have here is mm -hmm. just amazing. There are so many different independent theaters here. There are so many different uh, museums and art galleries here. I mean, we really, really are a creative hub in Rochester. And, and, I, and I like to think of it as like the, the sort of unpolished diamond of, of New York State that yeah. people don't realize is here. So like a real well-kept secret kind of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, if, and if you know, you know. Um, you know, here over in St. Louis, it's the same sort of sort of feeling like it's a real creative hub around here, too. Like the the writing community is just amazing. That's you know, awesome. Like, uh, you know, having you know, I was able to serve who knew I'd be able to serve as a, a term as president of the Missouri Writers Guild. You know, like that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Like just, you know, that sort of stuff that just uh, that, you know, those are the opportunities that I would not have had if I had stayed in New York City and just gotten swallowed up by everyone. It's true. So, it's true. Yeah. Sometimes you got to get out of New York and L.A. and all these big markets just to really figure out who you are, because these big markets tell you that you're nothing, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you get into these smaller markets and you realize, oh, I really I can I can do this. I really exactly. can do this. Exactly. Even more so the fact that you have the independent theaters and everything. And one of the things that I've seen, you know, like on Tatum Pictures website is an ad for a double feature of Indiana Jones and Star Wars at a theater. So mm -hmm. how, what was that? What was that whole experience like? Cause that's so, really like, that's like, that's, you know, that's the dream that everyone has. Every filmmaker oh, wants to see like their film on the big screen. Oh, absolutely. And, and the great thing is that, uh, so the cinema theater here in Rochester, which is uh, ultimately been designated a landmark uh, because it's one of the oldest theaters in the area. Oh, Actually, it is the oldest theater in the area. Yeah. Um, so they they have a habit of offering up reasonable prices to show uh, for independent filmmakers here to show their works. Um, nice. I'm part of a I'm part of a group that's called uh, Rochester Area Filmmakers Association. Oh. And nice. um, a lot of times, what they'll do is uh, they'll they'll have sponsored events where um, you can make a short film and, and uh, the cinema theater will host a night of, of short films uh, wow. from Rochester area filmmakers. Yeah. And um, a lot of times what, what I have done probably since I think the first movie that I had in the theater was secret of the Appalachian. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> what I did was I, um, I wanted to have some time to just show a couple of the movies that I, that I had done mm -hmm. and they offer really good rates um, mm -hmm. to rent an entire theater out for like uh, half the day was like $300 or what? something like that. So it's like wow. $300. Wow. And, and that was, um, but you have to do it on a, on a day. That's not like, you can't do it on like a Friday or Saturday night. You have to do it like on yeah. a Sunday afternoon, which is perfectly fine with me, you know, makes sense. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so what they do is they cancel their they cancel their shows during that time, and 
the theater is yours to do with whatever you want. And, and so I, I put up three of my films. I put up um, The Return Home, which was the continuation of the Underworld, the series uh, storyline. Nice. Um, I showed Two Degrees, which was a short film that I did that I tried to get into a festival that ultimately didn't make it in. But hey, mm-hmm. I, I only tried for one festival. You're supposed to put them in like 30. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not paying for that. Right. Um, and then uh, was the Indiana Jones film, The Secret of the Appalachian. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, when, when people came, I had them say, I, I just said, Hey, pay what you want at the door. I don't care. I'm just here to show you movies. You know, yeah. I'm not looking to make any money. And I was actually very, very surprised that, uh, you know, how, first of all, how many people actually came yeah. and how much folks actually paid at the door because oh. I was actually able to pay for the theater <laughs> with the nice. money that I got from that, which was really nice. Oh, that's great. Um, so ever since then, um, <clears throat> I've shown movies at that theater mm-hmm. and uh, I, I personally haven't had to pay for it at all. That's great. <clears throat> which is, which has been really nice. And, and that's, I mean, that's what it's all about right there as well. Like that's exactly. Yeah. Cause like, I don't want to make was... any money from this. I just want to show, I just want to, I just want to entertain people. I just want to yeah. make people enjoy stuff. Um. And that's really all I want to do. I just want to entertain. Mm-hmm. And um, even now, what I typically do, is, uh, instead of actually taking money at the door, mm-hmm. I'll say, I'll, I'll put up like maybe a, a PayPal notice or, or maybe a, a GoFundMe and say, hey, we're looking to have this. Um, if we can get this paid for, everybody walks in without anything. And yeah. I want to say within a few hours, uh, I was ready to pay for the theater, wow. which was really, really nice. And, and it, it feels really good that people have, people care that much yeah. to do that. And, and it touches my heart every single time mm-hmm. that people come into that theater and they say, Oh my God, what you've done here is just so amazing. Yeah. And it, it, it makes me feel really good because then it makes me want to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, because if it, if it, if it brings joy to somebody, and it inspires somebody to do something, mm-hmm. um, then then that's what gives me the juice to kind of keep doing it. And and I, I love it. And, and you know, I just I just turned forty five, so I'm just yep. thinking to myself like, okay, how long am I going to do this for? Yeah. And I was like, well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Absolutely. So uh, where can our where can our listeners not only find you on social media but also find Tatum Pictures itself? Can they? Can they find like any of the any of your films or anything on online somewhere? Yes, they can. They can find just about ev- almost every film uh, mm-hmm. that that we've done at Tatum uh, Pictures.com. Mm-hmm. Um, that's T-A-T-U-M Pictures.com. Mm-hmm. And um, most of the stuff uh, from I want to say the Underworld, the series forward is up mm-hmm. there. So all of the Indiana Jones movies are up there. Um, all of the other original works that we've done are up there. And um, the first chapter of the Star Wars trilogy is up there as well. Um, nice. ho- hopefully you'll see the second one being filmed later this year, but yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll have see. to see. Yeah. 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 And um, so what would you say for anyone who is looking to kind of get into get into filmmaking and um, really just, you know, have have made their creative New Year's resolution last month, just saying that, 
Um, I want to get into film. I want to be a filmmaker or, or anything like that. What is the first step that you would recommend they take? Well, the first step I would say is to, first of all, if you have an idea, write it down and just go with it. Yeah. Um, because one of the things that you're going to run into, and I've run into this several times already, is that someone's going to look at your stuff and say, well, you should really do it this way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you get really great advice. And sometimes people just want to take over your idea and sort of inject their own ideas into it. Yeah. And I get it. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Whatever. But you know what? Just remember that it is your idea. Yeah. If it, if it doesn't work out, there's another idea waiting in the hopper ready to go because one of the things that you can, one of the things that can be a barrier to creativity is to allow people's criticism to affect what it is that you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, because if you allow people to say, well, this idea isn't going to work. It's like, okay, fine. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but it's a learning experience. Right. Right. Because we, that's how we learn. We learn through failure mm -hmm. because if we just succeed every single time we go out there, what, what are we, what are we learning? We're just learning that we can succeed. Yeah. Well, great. Good for you. But right. I, I like to challenge myself. It's like, okay, well, I did this. What else can I do? Okay, right. now I did this. What else can I do? Mm -hmm. um, and, mm -hmm. and I feel like if you're just out there just making it too easy, it just seems like it would get boring, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so if, if you're out there and you fail, which believe you me, I have mm -hmm. failed many, <laughs> many times. Right. Um, but then it's a learning experience and, and, and we learn our greatest lessons through failure. Mm -hmm. And so don't be afraid to fail. Don't yeah. be afraid to not get something right because chances are there's going to be plenty of times where you're not going to get it right, where you are wrong and that's okay to be wrong. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just a matter of when you, when you start doing it and if you love it mm -hmm. and if someone out there loves it too, yeah then to me that's worth it absolutely like like you know when, when at the beginning of this uh a program you you had mentioned that you know you loved ninja joe and i'm thinking to myself i'm like really Ooh, it was <laughs> terrible but the fact that it it made an impact to you well yeah means something to me you know what yeah. i mean well yeah and, that, I mean, and like that's the, all i need and the the basic element of that the thing that that made it carry you know carry through for me all those years later is I could tell on the screen, you guys were having fun putting it together. Oh, yeah. We were definitely <laughs> having fun. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's what this is. That's what this is all about. And I really hope that all of you have taken uh, B Anthony Gibson's story to heart and just like, like he's done, you know, sometimes you just got to pick up a camera and run with it and see what you can do. And whether it's a paintbrush, whether it's a camera, whether it is sitting down, butt in chair and starting to type out whatever idea is in your head to get it on a page or a screen or whatever, whatever that is, you know, make sure you are taking that first step. Get out there and see what you can do. That is what B. Anthony Gibson has done. That is what I want all of you to continue doing. And I am going to keep on presenting so many stories like this from all different forms of the creative spectrum. So we are 
we are not stopping anytime soon. So if you like what you hear, please share this. Share this episode. Share this, the show itself. Get the word out there. The more subscribers, the better. And all of your support, I truly, truly appreciate. And for being Anthony Gibson, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. And I will see you next week. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. If you've never been an Audible customer and want to see what they offer, just go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. And with this free 30-day trial, you'll have your pick of it all. You can hear books of all genres narrated by Jim Dale, Stephen Fry, Will Patton, Alex Hyde-White, Jeff Brick, Neil Shaw, William Demerit, and even a few by me, George Soroy. So go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and start your own 30-day journey with Audible today.